You're listening to Wealth at Work, a show designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Hosted by financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x, Ross Marino. Hello, Jeff. How's it going today? Great, Ross. How are you doing? I am good. Looking forward to your session. I saw the the title of the session, and I'm not going to say what that is right at this moment. We can lead up to it, but it's exactly the kind of things I was talking about. But I know that you're you're way deeper than just the title and what you're going to talk about. You're someone that can really articulate the evolution of the industry and of the advisor, and you're going to talk about the third evolution. So how about we start talking about the evolution of the industry and the advisor? Sure. So uh, I've been in the business, as I like to say, 120 some thousand hours, and that's 40 years of being a workaholic if you're trying to do the math in your head. But way back when I was uh, much younger, uh, I was looking for a prospecting method, and I came into the uh, basically insurance business in 1979. And then this new thing came up in the 80, early 80s, 1982 to be specific for me called a 401k. It was kind of a loophole in the tax code. And everybody say, this is kind of a cool thing. And I needed a way to basically fish with a net instead of a pole for prospects. So I said, this looks good for me. So, and then it was all about product because there was no, there were no specialists. There wasn't an industry per se. It was just people that kind of glommed on to this loophole, if you will. So it's a matter of what product. I, re- I remember starting, we were selling individual fixed annuity contracts as the funding vehicle uh, and, and going to people's houses to sign them up. You know, So that, that was kind of the evolution number one. Then uh, fast forward and we started to have an industry with you know lots of money involved and certain firms and people deciding, hey, this, uh, this is really going somewhere and they became specialists. And as you know, the three Fs became the prevalent approach, basically of what are your funds, what are your fees, and, and what are your fiduciary services? You know, today that's the price of poker. I mean, if you don't provide all three of those, there, there's nothing to talk about. So where I think this third evolution is already taking place is, is really about outcomes and how do you move the needle? And, you know, I'm a huge fan of financial wellness, but sometimes it feels like financial wokeness. I mean, the advisor feels better about it than the participants do based on their utilization. So in this third evolution, I, I think everybody's trying to figure out how to create an elegantly integrated ecosystem. And in that ecosystem, you more holistically address the participants' needs. So ultimately, it's about being in the people business, not in the plan business. And that will depend a lot on your market segment. And I'm not one, I'm not in the mid to mega space. I'm I'm in the micro, uh, sometimes nano, but more the the micro to small that, you know, 97% of all employers in the United States have less than 500 employees. And we think for a plan to be successful, it's bottom up. And we also think it's not financial wellness, but it's actually delivering holistic financial planning in an independent, uh, ubiquitous way with no geographic uh, shifts. People move, people change jobs, and we want their planning to be the constant, uh, no matter how many 401k plans they're involved with over their career. So I think this next shift is back to the people business, which will bring some generalists back into play as opposed to just specialists. 
And those generalists are going to come from a lot of different directions, uh, and, but many of them are going to come from being financial planners or those kind of financial advisor type of folks. So I'm more excited about what the next five to seven years holds, Ross, than any time in, in my career, because I think this is one of those, again, paradigm shifts that we'll either be the beneficiary of or you'll be the victim of, because it's going to change whether you like it or not. I, I definitely think it's a paradigm shift. And, and we have a, another conference that is called Shift uh, that we'll be doing in 2023. And it's, it's based on human first financial guidance. And that's really what the title of your session is. And that's what you just said. It's delineating that you're not just in the plan business, you're actually in the people business. And not just to say, and, and I told you this recently that you know, 10, 20 years ago, I would have said, oh, I'm in the people business because that's what everybody said. It was cliche right? Well, I deal with people. So of course I'm in the people business, but that's really not what you're talking about with the third evolution. Uh, it sounds like when you say the people business, it means identifying that you're working with people and how do you help them where they're at in life and what is best for them at that moment. It's not just some black box or, or typical solution that you have for everybody. It's down to the individual level, but th that takes time. It takes effort. It takes technology. How do you think advisors are going to do that? So I, I can only really speak to what I know works for us because I do think it is scalable, number one, and it is a, you're able to replicate it uh, depending on what your business model is. So in our particular case, I would call us a multidisciplinary uh, practice. So when we're looking at what we do, there's financial planning, there's investment management, we do insurance work, but it's really everything you need to do to not only create the plan, but then to execute the plan. Because one of the knocks, so to speak, in financial planning is you gave me a great roadmap, but uh, how do I execute this or take it to estate planning? How many times have we seen someone pay a lot of money, get their estate plan done, set up revocable living trusts and never transfer any assets into the trust? And it becomes a worthless document at that particular point. So when we talk about it, we've really uh, bought into the idea of the potential of, uh, think of Teladoc here for a minute, but a virtual planning practice. And we've all gotten to the point where I don't want to drive across town, sit in a room with a bunch of sick people, wait to see a doctor for seven minutes, get back in my car, drive back across you know, town, and then have my wife ask me what they say, what they say, you know, type of thing. So COVID, for all the awfulness of COVID, because I lost a few family members in that process as well, but the, the benefit was it made us do what we've been thinking about doing and hope to get done over the next five years or seven years. We had to get it done in five to seven months up in there. And then what we found out, we're great. Everybody loved it from there. So we're using, uh, when we talk about that bottom up, that participant service model, the concept of a virtual planning practice, we are we have CFPs and we have all the designations you need to act as a fiduciary at the participant level from there. And so we implemented that during COVID and now we're finding people just want to stick with it. They don't want to necessarily go back to the one-on-one -on -one see you at work type thing. And you know, there's still a need for that. There's still group meetings. There's still good interaction. But, you know, we have um, a situation with, I'll take one client that once a month, we call it Financial Independence Day, and it's all virtual. We go from six in the morning to six o'clock at night in 30 minute increments, 
and most of the people are trying to get on. In a lot of cases, uh, their spouse is there. They're doing it from home. It's just more easier and more convenient without all the, the time drag of coming and going and, and, and those kind of things. So we're executing our participant service model, you know, that way, uh, you know, from the bottom up. And we're finding it's more efficient. It's actually more effective. It's more inclusive because the uh, the spouse can be involved and we have no geographic boundaries out from there. We're, you know, literally it doesn't matter where you are anymore. And then I think the other part, Ross, that's really, really important. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. I was talking with a major record keeper and I said, what do you think of our financial tools and wellness tools? And I said, I think they're great until they're worthless. And, the, and their comment was, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, let's assume I've, I'm in your plan. I've used your tools. I've created you know, my roadmap. And now I change jobs and I transfer my money to my new employer or to an IRA. What do you do? He said, well, we turn you off. I said, yeah, it was great while well, it lasted, but now it's worthless to me. And I got to start all over again. So I think the autonomous nature of the delivery of these kind of services in a virtual setting they can change jobs, they can move across the country, they can do anything they want, but you remain the constant uh, through that particular process. And uh, I just think the upside of that is far more scalable. You know, I read somewhere where the number one hire of uh, CFPs was Vanguard. I can't test that's true or not, but, you know, back to that virtual planning to wrap around, you know, their mutual funds. It's, you know, you can like it or not like it, but that's where it's going. And if you're not on board with that, you know, somebody else is going to talk to your clients about it. So that, that's what I mean about being close. And you mentioned it in a way that I think is important. It's back to relationships. And now the relationship is more pronounced. It's deeper. It's more uh, um, comprehensive in nature. And if someone says, look, my spouse doesn't get home till seven or can you do Saturday morning or. Sure, no problem. You know that it, it, that's easy to do. Everybody's happier as you go forward, and then you become the financial advisor to that family, and that's ultimately where things get really sticky, I guess. Well, we've been talking about the convergence for years, and uh, it, in my opinion, the acceleration right now is faster and stronger than it's ever been. So, can't wait to see what comes next. Jeff, look forward to seeing you out in Las Vegas at Wealth at Work. My pleasure, and I look forward to it, and then we will expand upon what we started today. We are joined today by Brett and Alex. Hello, guys. Hi, hey, Ross. How are you? It's good. Looking forward to your session. The title is Retirement Committee Meetings of the Future, and as an advisor for many years, I'm a sucker for any conversation on the future. I, I, I obviously don't know what's going to happen. I think about it. I know you guys are thinking about it. Um, I know you think a lot about it, so you're going to talk about it. So why don't we start with how the meetings of the future are going to shift in what we deliver? Well, look, we're pumped uh, to have the opportunity to present uh, at Wealth at Work. You know, Brett is so busy. He's in the lab thinking up of what's happening in the future. He can't even be bothered to have a video on him right now. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's there's such a great group of, of strong retirement advisors across the country who've been doing excellent meetings year over year. 
and we've, we've risen the bar of what a baseline high quality retirement plan looks like. But what, what, what I believe in, and I think Brett shares this viewpoint of, is that in the maturation of the 401k industry, you know, we need to push the envelope. We need to think more with our committee members, with organizations on how to really uh, make a difference for their employees. And so that means, you know, getting a little uncomfortable and not spending as much time perhaps on uh, the basic foundational pieces of plan data and engagement among employees on the retirement plan, but being more thoughtful, more holistic around what really drives uh, an organization, what drives their employees to financial security and financial success, and how to create a connection with the committee to, to be able to you know, have those discussions and make changes. Well, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Brett? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say I'm excited for the session because I, I want to compliment Alex. He has done a lot for our industry, and I appreciate that he's been out there, you know, front-facing, uh, battling to to solve these issues. And uh, I think all of us appreciate it. So I just want to make that point. I'm excited to, you know, to be part of this session. But I'm going to build on two things there. One, the connection part, because Alex just used that phrase to me. What problem are we solving? That's you got you got to start there. So if you if you look at it that way, you know, kind of the old model yesterday's meeting, you come in, you talk about the triple F stuff, right? The funds, the fees, all the fiduciary talk. But what are you really solving at the end of the day? And I think that it's tough to come up with a good answer if that's your approach. Right. So here we are at this impasse, just like Alex said, how can we go farther? How can we push that envelope? Let's go back to what problem are we solving? What I see, employers and employees have some pretty big problems, okay? And I, and I think we talk about them a lot. The challenge for the advisors is how can we solve those big problems, right? At the employer level, it's the great resignation. It's super expensive when you can't get the right people in the door, they don't stay and they don't engage. That is a massive, probably multi-trillion dollar problem, global problem, by the way, not just in the U.S. So that's a big one. And then at the employee level, you know, they're not getting what they want or they would be staying at these companies. They have a lot of financial challenges, which I know Alex deals, you know, very closely with that in his practice. Um, I'm certainly aware of it. I've seen it for 20 years. You know, a lot of their problems are extend way beyond is my portfolio built correctly um, you know, am I in the right type of 401k? It's all these other issues surrounding planning for their children, college costs, life insurance, you know, just foundational financial issues that they, they're not able to solve. So um, I kind of threw a lot out there on the table, but I think those are the real problems that we have to figure out how to solve them. And we can certainly talk about that, on, about how to do it. Well, if you're shifting your approach to the problems that you're addressing, you've now just expanded what you're going to be talking about. So not only will you be delivering more content, but I'd imagine most everybody isn't going to want to read it on a web page. So sounds like you're going to have to shift your delivery as well. What do you think um, is going to happen in the future, Alex? Well, um, you know, I, I think that the last couple of years have helped magnify how quickly we can adapt to technology and also um, how little time we all have uh, 
to focus our attention on on things, whether it's in the context of a retirement committee trying to make big decisions for the long-term financial success of their organization and their people. So, you know, I, we're already looking at this, and and I think uh, when we get a chance to be out there in Vegas uh, for the event, we'll be having a discussion with the audience around how to best deliver actionable items to plan sponsors, to committee members, to stakeholders at the plan level and the employee level to, um, as Brett put it, get to the root of these challenges that individuals and organizations face to drive change, to drive enhancements and, and drive decisions. And, and I think it's going to be a myriad of things. So content delivery, um, you know, kind of creating the right sequential steps for committee members to be able to understand and digest certain decision points. But I also think it's a shift in the format of a meeting. That's why we're calling it the future of committee meetings um, from presentation of data and information and some recommendation to implementation. I think it's going to be a much more interactive, iterative process uh, with committee members to understand what's really driving them. What are their, what are the things that they worry about in the context of their role at the organization? And how can we thinking maybe in this silo of retirement, but then blowing the walls off of that into a bigger picture, how can we actually help make a difference? How can we actually do something for them at the committee and at the organization level that, that we know helps their employees? So um, I think we're going to have a lot of ideas, and some of those ideas that Brett and I are going to share, uh, we might, you know, get some uh, critique on when we're when we're presenting this together, and and uh, you know, I, it may open our eyes. Uh, so we're excited to you know lay out some some beliefs and some ideas, and have those things tested and challenged in a kind of fast-paced uh, discussion and presentation. And hopefully allow for all of us that are in that room uh, at the Wealth at Work conference to leave with some some actionable takeaways. Yeah, I think there's going to be some great interaction. What do you think, Brett? Uh, no, first of all, I welcome the critiques. I mean, look, Alex has a ton of great ideas. Uh, we've been to your conferences in the past. There are a lot of smart people there. No shortage of opinions. Put it all on the table. That's you know, that's how we all get better. I mean, I don't think any one person I know, I don't have all the solutions might have an inkling, uh, you know, a clue, uh, some breadcrumbs on a couple things, but you know, the more the merrier. So I'm ready for it. But I will say this, I think that there has to be literally like a fundamental shift, you know, paradigm shift in the way that we're approaching these meetings, because, you know, you have, if you're going to have impact, <clears throat> you have to, again, take a couple steps back and just say, what, what are we doing here? What are the real needs? And I think when you look at consulting broadly, there's a lot of product comparison, okay? And I think if you look at our industry, now that you've had retirement plans out there for 40 years or so, it's a, it's a mature industry. The products are essentially commoditized. And Alex knows this. I mean, yeah, there's some little differences, but the reality is if I covered up the names, whether it's, you know, Record Keeper ABC or TPA, you know, DEF, there's not a lot of difference there. And so if, if that's the value prop that the advisor is bringing to the organization, back to the employer and the employees who are the, the core clients that need help, I think there's a big gap there. 
And that's where I think, you know, there's a lot of meat on the bone. There, there are ways to do it, but I would say data is really important. Meaning advisors have been locked out of that conversation. We've been arguing with record keepers over planned participant data for literally like 20 years. And that's getting a little old. I would say we got to step back and go, why are we arguing over that data? There's a lot of other data out there that's very relevant to an employer, like how their benefit stack looks compared to their competitors. Maybe that would help them understand, hey, if I offer you know, an HSA program, uh, payroll deducted 529 plan, if I do some things for my key executives who are making a lot of money, if I have an awesome financial wellness program that, you know, groups like Alex and his team can drive results across credit cards and student loans and emergency savings. Like that's a pretty exciting conversation. That's not happening broadly right now out in the field. Okay. People are talking about it, but it's not actually happening. You need the data, in my opinion, in the advisor's hands to be able to solve those issues. Because with the data, that shows us who works at these companies, shows us where their problems are, where their needs are. And then you can teach the employer to bridge that gap by offering the right programs and having a consultant who can then drive the results and report back the impact. That is a fundamentally different way of consulting than what you see today, which again, if we're honest, we're doing a lot of product comparisons. TPA1 versus TPA2, this asset manager versus that asset manager, target dates versus managed accounts, you know, record keeper A versus record keeper B. <clears throat> I just think we got to get beyond that. So the future of this industry, a fundamental shift, a paradigm shift. I agree 100%. It's going to be exciting. Look forward to seeing you guys in Vegas. You got it, man. We're going to have a blast. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Thank you for listening to Wealth at Work. The information covered and posted represents the views of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Advisor2x. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.